Eat, drink, smoke, or eat the fine food, drink the fine bourbon, and smoke the fine cigars here at Blend Bar Cigar, Indianapolis, Indiana. I'm Tony Katz. Good to be with you. Fingers Malloy. April D. Gregory just stopping by when she wasn't supposed to be stopping by. That's kind of what she does. The most frightening story of being uh, scanned and tracked and watched on the internet comes from April D. Gregory on a flight to D.C. Fingers Malloy found the even worse place than Disney, and Bernie Sanders wins in Nevada, and everybody's going nuts, and they're all completely crazy. We're going to get into all of it, but we start with the drink, right? We eat the fine food, drink the fine bourbon, smoke the fine cigars. We're drinking the scotch today, kids. This is the Aberfeldy 12-year-old single malt scotch. Um, it is a, it's a rather pretty color. Um, lighter in the, in the blonde uh, than most of the things we see in that bourbon uh, world. Uh, a bit of fruit, a sweet fruit going on there on the nose and a palate that is supposed to give you a little bit of that peat. This is a Highland Scotch. Uh, vanilla, peaches, cream. Um, very, very easy and simple. As Richard over here at Blend was explaining to me, Abernathy, I- I'm sorry, Aberfeldy, not Abernathy. Aberfeldy is part of the group that Dewar's uses to make their blendeds. So they've got this solid, good reputation for doing scotch. We rarely, rarely do scotch here. Fingers, you've been smelling. How do you, how do you, how do you feel? How do you feel? It's, it smells very good. I'm trying to get a feel for what, what I'm picking up on the nose. Right. Well, what do you think you're picking up on the nose? I think I'd start there. Scotch. <laughs> you're an idiot. <laughs> I, I'm no good on the nose either. I never know. I can never right. distinct. So, so does this does this play sherried fruit with a trailing hint of smoke? Right. So I don't know how I would describe sherried fruit. Candied fruit, I think I could explain. Sherried fruit, I have no idea. But trailing hint of smoke, well, that's that's the peat, right? I'm not that's what you should. Smoke. I'm not that's what you should get. Really? I'm not getting it. Are you? A, a touch that I touch. I mean, they if, also if say that's the what you get on every scotch. Yeah, I'm getting it. Right. Prune, custard, and espresso bean. Custard. Oh, that's what I thought. Really? (laughs) All right. So here's how we do it. We do it neat. And then we have a a large rock we can bring it to. The Abernathy. This is the 12-year. I said it again, Abernathy. Aberfeldy. The Abercrombie. The Aberfeldy. The Fitch. Right. Everyone get shirtless. Uh, It is uh, 40% alcohol by volume. So this is not a strong pup by any stretch. And... I'll get to pricing in a second. Let's go. You ready? ready. Do it up. April D. Gregory. Fingers Malloy. Let's go. Let's mm. Ooh. It's way better than any bourbon we've had on this show. That is so not true in any way, shape, it or form. It burn going down a little. Oh, it didn't burn. It burn. It's just heavy. It didn't burn at all. Um, that The peat is there. rock, Fingers Malloy? For sure. The P- Oh, fingers. You just moved the cube. I'm telling you, that does not need a rock, and I usually put everything on the rocks. That is fantastic. Smooth. You do get the, 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 the peat, the moss, the peat moss. Right. Went to school with peat moss, by the way. Mm, fantastic that's right. guy. The uh, original drummer for the Beatles. It's true. Unlike Randy. Uh, don't tell Pete Best, though. No. Uh, but, no, this is very good, very smooth. Uh, a finish of ginger, malt, and grapefruit. Not getting the grapefruit, maybe the ginger. Stuff up, I'm convinced. Mm-hmm. Some of them. Some of that's just made up. No grapefruit. Yeah, you're getting the grapefruit. Maybe that's maybe that is ginger. But anyway, I'm putting it on the cube. I just did it right there. I just did it right there. I don't. I don't know. I don't know. I will tell you this: forty dollars a bottle. 
Yeah. Ooh, really? 40 bucks. That's not oh, bad all, of a all. Su- all of a sudden, April D has got something. Well, maybe this isn't so bad. I just said it was the best of any bourbon we've ever had. But why, why do you hate bourbon so much? Why do you do this show? Have you? Did you not catch the title? I, uh, the title is actually Eat Drink Smoke, not Eat Bourbon Smoke. So maybe you didn't catch the title because you make us do bourbon every we week. We did rum last week. Where were you? Oh, that's right. You went to go be a campaign no, manager. I, no, you really. I'm glad I missed that. The rum was sensational. The yeah. Diplomatico. Oh, it tastes nothing like any rum any of us have ever had before. And how? Two hundred and twenty dollars a bottle. What was that? Two hundred. Yeah. Two hundred thirty dollars a bottle. Yeah. It was. It was stunningly good. Worth and worth the money. And I still wouldn't do it. But still, very very good. This is. I'll wait for it on the cube. I I, I do want to get into Bernie Sanders. But April D. Gregory sits down and says, okay, they're listening to what I talk about. They're watching me. Everybody's had this experience where you send out an email or you're texting to somebody or you're talking to somebody. And the next thing you know, you see an ad for that thing show up in, in, your, in your Facebook feed or, or on, with, in Google, what have you. Your story goes creepy to a whole new level. April, be, begin indeed. if you may. It does indeed. Uh, so I was on the phone. The mutual friend of ours, friend of the show, John Brodigan, and we were talking about CPAC, Conservative Political Action Conference, that's coming up this right. weekend. He's asked if I'm going, and I said, I'm not sure yet. I, I don't think so, but I might be a last-minute decision where I just grab a flight to D.C. and, and go last, last minute. I've got rewards. I'll go. We get off the phone a couple minutes after that. Within three minutes of getting off the phone, I get a notification to my email inbox that says, from Southwest Airlines, that says... Last minute deals on flights into DC. I'm sorry, that's creepy as all get out. That's so creepy. And yet we all yeah, accept maybe. it. We just take it. We're like, oh, oh well, no big deal. That's not okay. They're at, don't. T- I am so convinced I should get rid of my smartphone. And there's a study out now that talks about the addictive behavior, what it's actually doing to people. Oh, that yeah. you can't, you can't go to sleep without checking. You can't wake up without checking. I don't. I don't. It's like the I, rewards your brain gets, the, the uh, not adrenaline, but the um, cord- something. It, it the cortisol? cortisol? It's effects, not, no, not cortisol. It's one of the, like, the reward. Receptors? Endorphin, receptors. and Yeah, maybe endorphin. It, it affects that, and that's why we get addicted is because it, get, we get those rush of endorphins every time there's like a like or a. It's creepy. It is so creepy. Jitterbug phone. Seriously, I'm not old enough yet, but I can't wait. I cannot wait in that thing that'll take me up the stairs. Right. Those are going to be too fantastic. I cannot wait to have both of those things in my life. I, I know I need to shoot video. I know I need to be doing that stuff, so I can't get away from it. But I, want, I, I hear stories like that, and I just want all away with it. But I don't think it would have mattered. It just, it, it, they were, you were on your smartphone. You're on an iPhone. If I was on a flip phone, would that be happening? Would, would I be getting that email notification? No. no, and, there would, no there's no internet there's connection no. on a flip phone. You could still text on a flip phone. Yeah, that's, that's There's no there. internet connection. Okay. Right. All right, so I, I can yeah, be safe with a flip phone. That's why I'm not concerned at all about Alexa, because uh, they're all listening. Okay, so uh, the Alexa is listening to you, but if I don't have an Alexa in the house, my smartphone's listening yeah. to me. Unless, unless you turn your phone off, and even then I've heard squirrely stories about Alexa's phones. the creepiest thing that has ever happened, ever, ever, anywhere. So do you think when your iPhone is just next to you, it's listening yes. to you? Mm-hmm. Is it recording you? Or is it listening for keywords? Can it record you? So when your phone at another entity, another like in the cloud or something? No, yeah, like is is, is it being? So if you're 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 having uh, you're having sex, 
Is it recording you? And things are getting yelled out. You don't even know what. Speaking of flip phones. (laughs) (laughs) No, I want to see where that joke ends. Most desperately. Speaking of jokes, Bernie Sanders wins in Nevada. He doesn't win. He wins huge in Nevada. Huge to the point that nobody else gets a delegate. He gets all the delegates out of Nevada. Nobody else gets one. No, no. Biden nope. Not not from what I've seen. Go double check me. Make sure thought, I'm right. I thought you had to get at least 15% to get um, a delegate. And Biden and Buttigieg was, Biden was in second. Buttigieg was on, on the line. Last I saw. I, as I saw it, they do not get any, any uh, delegates whatsoever. But that's neither here nor there. The story is, is that Bernie wins and the political left has gone crazy. Which doesn't make any sense because he's on the political left. They were nuts. They're not, it doesn't make sense. This is what they want. This is who they are. And this is the whole conversation, right? They're claiming, my gosh, we're going to have this socialist as the front runner. He's going to destroy the party. He's going to be very harmful for down ballot uh, races. And there are two stories. The first one is he's been this guy since 2016 when the Democratic Party stole the nomination from him. Why is anybody surprised? That he's talking about the same things and he's got young people and some other people <coughs> following him. Why are they shocked? Why is this somehow new? It, they're, it's like it's, they're, they're, I don't know if they're feigning it or they just figured out, wait a second, this is bad. It's not, it's not that they're shocked. It's for the last couple of decades, you're not supposed to be open about being a socialist if you're on the left. And the Democratic Party, if you're a presidential candidate, it's like, know. oh, those Republicans, they call us socialists. But listen, I'm just here for the folks. They need health care. Well, now you got a guy who is wearing socialism on his sleeve. He's just trying to rebrand it. And there are people in the, the, the establishment Democratic Party who have seen their base. They're, they're, they're yelling for this. And they try to keep the base happy by, by throwing things out there that you know, are, are far left, but they don't want to brand themselves as a socialist party openly. It's just kind of, eh, behind closed doors, eh, we'll say it. But to, to, they don't want to scare off the moderates. Well, now you know, they've got a candidate who is openly saying, I, I'm a socialist. I'm a democratic socialist. And this is scaring the the, the party elites. For, I, I don't even see, I don't, it doesn't make sense. But people like MSNBC, people on MSNBC are having a cow... But they're the very ones that you are presumed to be socialists. I mean, Rachel Maddow, Chris Matthews, like this is who this is what who did they who did they want instead personally? I mean, not Biden, uh, Warren. Like, what were they going for? They're not Buttigieg type people or Klobuchar type. Here's what I have kind of figured out. And first, uh, you are correct that that, uh, Bernie got um, 13 delegates. Biden got two. And Buttigieg got one. So they did get some delegates uh, out of it. Here's what I think is going on. They're totally fine with Bernie Sanders. They know that Bernie Sanders' policies have become the policies of that party, right? The policy of health care for everyone. The policies of, um, you know, tuition-free college and, and all these kinds of things. What they worry about is that since Bernie is so brazen about being a socialist, that it will turn people off. They worry that people won't hate Trump enough that they'll vote for Bernie Sanders. That's the real fear. We could have told you this four years ago. Maybe you should have listened to us. What do you mean? 
We could have told you what? That Bernie would turn off the the moderates of the Democratic Party, the people who don't like Trump, but are not certainly going to vote for Bernie. And this is the 2016 the comparison. And the left should have realized this in the first place. But the 2016 comparison does indeed hold. Everybody said the same thing about Trump. Trump was going to turn the people off. Trump wasn't going to be able to be elected. Trump was going to hurt the down ballot. And that's not what happened. So the Bernie situation of 2020 is very much emulating the Trump situation of 2016. But the question is, can Bernie win a general election? So uh, two, I think, things, maybe three, maybe four, maybe nine. Uh, number one, I truly don't think so, because Trump's wildness or Trump's fanaticism or however, I don't know. I don't know the correct word I would use was always based on the idea that America should be great. Bernie's entire thesis is that America should not exist. Right. So while there may be these parallels in the dogmatic nature of the man or of the men, there is a massive difference in the message that's coming forward. So it doesn't surprise me that there are parts of the millennial set, not the totality of the millennial set. I don't want to insult millennials. It's too ridiculous for words. And others who are totally into Bernie's message. Bernie went down to Texas and said um, uh, that uh, all of these things we're talking about in healthcare and housing, they're all human rights and they go to Americans and they go to illegals and they go to everybody. He doesn't say illegals. He says undocumented immigrants, which is a, a, a nonsense uh, term for sure. It's illegal. People broke the law. Right. So he doesn't even think that these should just be for Americans. This is just for anybody who's who's happens to be within our borders. And then you don't even believe in borders. You know, you go to the most you go to the full communists who ran the Soviet Union. Even they believed in borders. If you want to make that argument that he is beyond where everybody of the people he is drawing from is from, even in the most extreme cases. He's doing that. So that's why I don't think he wins a general election. Not because people aren't attracted to somebody who is steadfast. It's like the Joe Rogan uh, uh, endorsement. Right. He's, you know, he's always been, you know, steadfast. He's always been, you know, this guy. And that's attractive to people, right? That's a good power structure to work from. Well, first, it means you should never actually grow up. It means you should never actually change. It means you should never actually notice, wait a second, that was a bad idea. There's a better one over here. I'm going to go for the better idea. That's, that's pretty ugly stuff if, if we're now saying you shouldn't somehow adapt and grow and build and be. We love to destroy people for changing their mind as opposed to recognizing there may be a good reason for which they did. We always want to just say it's partisan politics and, and insult the people and, and, and do that. Um, but what, what he favors, what Bernie wants which has been known for five years. Nobody's questioning that. That's why people don't get to act surprised when he's talking about all these things. Isn't what helps the person in Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Ohio, or Michigan, who is very happy with their job, their kids have jobs, and they feel good about the economy. I was out both Friday night and Saturday night, a, a rare twofer for, for, oh, I'm a fancy man. I don't, I don't mean to brag, I'm a fancy man. And here in Indianapolis, where we record at Blend Bar Cigar in Indianapolis, Indiana, they're in Houston, they're in Pittsburgh, they are in Nashville, blendbarcigar.com. Every single restaurant was full. There were no reservations to be had. The, the, it was at least a half hour wait in this place, a half hour wait for the bar in that place. I, I didn't check Hooters there, fingers. Uh, I apologize. The earlier, there was an hour wait. Wait, you were where? The Olive Garden. My family likes... They like breadsticks, do they? Yes. I have not been to the Olive Garden in a decade. Is it any good? Oh, the breadsticks are still good. Okay. Yeah, 
So that's all you had, just the breadsticks and the salad. We actually didn't go because the oh there, there was an hour wait. Oh, so you didn't? You, it wasn't worth the wait. They oh. make the they make a fine meaty lasagna. It's true. I don't eat meat anymore. What? I you, off at the end of the year. you don't eat meat anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm glad you left the podcast. <laughs> uh, holy crap! What kind of sa- to uh, eat meat smoke? Yeah. <laughs> It, 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 we can now. We cannot come back ever again. Um, so I, I, I think that those people in those Midwest states are like, my life is good. Why would I? Why would I? Why do I want to fundamentally transform it? As Obama said, and now now Bernie is saying religiously. Well, I think I, I believe he can win, but it would it would take some extraordinary uh, crisis late in the election cycle, like in in 20, uh, 2008, uh, whether it's uh, an economic collapse or, or, you know, we don't really talk about this much on the show, but the coronavirus, if, if this really starts messing with the economy. Uh, and it can. It, it can in big ways. It's, it's affecting the supply chain from China uh, for, for many companies. Well, even the Brits have been warned that it, it could be coming hot and heavy there. So if Bernie Sanders can somehow capitalize on some sort of crisis, never let a crisis go to waste, uh, I, I'm not going to say it's not possible, but going back to your, your previous point about how we, we don't understand why the media and the Democratic, uh, the, the establishment Democrats are freaking out about Bernie Sanders, Maybe it's that, okay, you've got a candidate that's, that's very open about these socialist views, but they don't feel like he's a good messenger for it. You gotta, he comes across as kind of a grumpy old man. Uh, maybe if it was a more attractive, younger face. And real, unfortunately for the Democrats, we're not seeing that other than, you know, as far as younger people go. You've got Pete Buttigieg and uh, I don't know how old Amy Klobuchar is, but, uh, you know, maybe they're concerned that Bernie Sanders is not the, the, the proper... A vehicle to express these views. Yeah, I mean, I, I was pretty sure that they aren't interested in old, rich, white guys. That's what I've been told for years. Well, let's go back to the debate. They debate in Nevada, debate. right? Oh, oh, Bloomberg was a... I, he should never have gone to the stage, said that many times. What was he thinking? You can't be that poorly prepared. And I think he's going to overcompensate in the next one and just be... Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll certainly see. Um, so, in the debate, Bloomberg says to him, what are we talking about here? You're the world's, you're, you're the most famous socialist in America. You have three houses. And then Bernie says, I work in Washington, D.C. That's house one. And I live in Vermont. That's house two. And like thousands of Vermonters, I have a summer camp. So forgive me. <laughs> forgive me that. And so the best is he always answers the question, but no one ever says, does that answer make any sense to anybody? The story is not that you're explaining why you have three houses. The story is you're a socialist and you have three houses, which is against everything you say should happen. Is no one going to say this? Well, why does it come up for the first time on a major scale at a debate being brought up by a candidate and nobody in the media asks him this This is the question that the media is now saying out loud. This is what James Carville, the guy who got Clinton elected, who has been anti-Sanders aggressively, is saying. He hasn't been vetted by the press. No one actually talks about what he's ta- discussing in his record. And the problem, and I would say this to James Carville, is that what Bernie pushes forth is what the whole party has accepted. It's the entire party mantra. So how are they supposed to push back on it? Mm-hmm. 
the problem is you built this monster and everybody wants a piece of it. So how in the world do they do they push back? That's it. But it is the story. No one ever says, you know, that's a bullcrap answer. You're so full of crap. Have you gotten so old that you don't know what you're saying? And when Bernie starts responding, be like, oh, whoa, 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 stop yelling, old man. Yeah. And he, that should even be said by Bloomberg. <laughs> Bloomberg should say, stop yelling, old man. If, if Klobuchar would once turn to Bernie and go, okay, boomer. I mean, it would just oh be God, devastating. No, but here's the thing. Speaking of the yelling, it was Biden and Bernie and even Warren yelling the whole night. And your ear, like, I was trying to watch and I just had so much anxiety in my body <laughs> that I had to turn off. At, and plus, it was getting to the climate change part. And I, I, I just like, I just, I'm not here for this climate change discussion. But they were just yelling. It was causing me so much panic. I had to turn it off. I just loved the whole explanation. I mean, I, like many Vermonters, I have a summer camp. Right. We, we go there and we play light as a feather, stiff as a board. Did he say that? Seven minutes in heaven. It's a summer camp. It's like, what the hell? What the hell is that? Everybody just sits there with a straight face? A so, so first, Vermonters refer to a summer house as a summer camp. That, have you seen a picture of this summer camp? This is not some little cabin like Ted Kaczynski in the woods. This is some luxurious stuff. Oh, He's it's, not, it's pretty it's pretty old. Oh, please. I'm you pretty did, sure he inherited it. Can you afford the summer camp? I cannot. I rest I rest my case. If, then. if you could go back from, about the debate to the other thing that And his houses, they're nice. Yeah, the other thing that was striking was how he uh, Mike Bloomberg was ill prepared for the NDA question. Right. Oh, and now he's going to release three women. So the, the NDA is a non-disclosure agreement. And supposedly women who worked for him have either sued or been upset with either sexual harassment or things said, whatever it is. So there are these people, men too, who are under these, they, are they, they settled and there's a non-disclosure agreement. And Elizabeth Warren is like, why won't you release him from the NDAs? Bernie, uh, Joe Biden, why won't you release him from the NDAs? He, he didn't even know how to answer the question. And how ridiculous is that? And then talk about not knowing your audience. Right. You know, he, he throws out this explanation. Well, you know, maybe they didn't like one of my jokes. Like, what is he? Mr. Evil? Freudian slipped about what the NDAs were yeah, about. I'm a merry prankster. I, they, just, they didn't like my... Oh, my yeah, he's, the, he's, the, he's the company yuck. Best yeah. Lauren Michaels impression <laughs> ever, Thank by you. the way. That's really, really good. He's, but he's... Oh, I'm the company cut up, and I told some jokes that maybe somebody didn't like. Uh, anybody look at Bloomberg and think, oh, man, I, I can't wait to uh, hang out with him because he's going to tell me a joke. Uh, the strongly opposed to Bloomberg in the latest poll out of Nevada, if you want to believe the poll, 40% strongly opposed, uh, 29% somewhat opposed. Those are not good numbers. Political strategist April D. Gregory, you like those numbers? Make you feel good about your candidate? Those are good odds. Uh, the best is when Nevada's all said and done and Trump tweets. Trump tweets, looks like crazy Bernie is doing well in the great state of Nevada. Biden and the rest look weak, and no way Minnie Mike can restart his campaign after the worst debate performance in the history of presidential debates. I love you. Congratulations, Bernie, and don't let them take it away from you. <laughs> Dear God, that is just amazing. Amazing. So I have been racking my brain to try and figure out. I wanted to write the, the article today. I didn't get the chance. We're recording on, on a Sunday how the Democratic Party is going to take the nomination away from him. How is the Democratic Party going to steal the nomination from... Because it always gets harder the second time. <laughs> See what you did there? See what you did? I saw what you did there. 
Uh, so the question is how they're going to do it. See, the last time was easy. They were able to use the superdelegates, and Hillary controlled the DNC, which is something most people don't know about. The Democratic National Com Committee was broke. Hillary lent them the money, so she got access to everything. It's re it was super, super corrupt. She stole the nomination. This time around, the superdelegates are not in it until the second round, if it goes to a second round, a second ballot, which means a contested convention, something like that, which I believe still is very possible to happen. So the superdelegates are not involved. What happens if he gets the number of delegates needed? And so I am now actually, I'm the, that guy going through the party platform and starting to go through the bylaws to figure out whether or not they can decide that Bernie has not been a true Democrat and therefore is Ill, ineligible for the nomination. Right? It'd be civil war. Civil war in the Democratic Party. I, 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 I think Bernie uh, supporters will burn it all down. The Bernie bros would be like, Steve Scalise, nothing. Right? And that's, a, that's a, by the way, that's a strong and ugly thing to say, but I get your point. Steve Scalise was shot by a Bernie bro at the congressional quietly. softball uh, practice. If it wasn't for Capitol Police who were guarding him because he's the, the, the House uh, minority whip, um, then you would have had a lot of dead members of, of Congress right there. It would have been awful. Um, but, oh, God, Milwaukee for the Democratic National Convention? So They're going to burn it down if it's not burning. Here's one of the things. It's I, not a joke. I'm not a Democrat, and I'm just kind of assuming this works the same way, but as it does in the Republican Party. So if you become a delegate in, to the convention, you have to, I mean, if you're a Republican anyway, it's $5,000 commitment to go to the, as a delegate, to the RNC convention. I'm assuming it's the same thing for the Democrats. Um, it, I just, I can see how the typical Bernie Sanders supporter doesn't just have $5,000 to go to the DNC convention. I mean, you can fundraise it, but... Can't the campaign pay for um, all those people? I don't know. Um, I don't know if that's a FEC violation or not, but I could see... I mean, I'm, what I'm saying is it's a different set of people that go to... A, it's the hardcore Democrats that go to conventions. It's not these newfangled millennial hipster Bernie supporters, right? So but couldn't I could said, see how he might not get it on the first... But couldn't the same thing have been said of Trump delegates? No, because by the time Trump got the nomination, the Trump, the the our, the Republican, the true Republican establishment people were in for Trump. By the time he once he became the uh, nominee, they were all in. Even the true conservatives. Oh, yeah, that one percent. Wow, two five percent. What Americans. are you doing, fingers? Why are you being that guy? So there is this, there is this group of so-called conservatives, and listen, we don't lie about who we are. We're all on the, on the political right, but there is this faction of people known as Never Trumpers, and I don't understand Never Trumpism at all. I think not liking something Trump does, not liking a policy Trump believes in, is different than saying somehow Trump can never have a vote ever, 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 because these people, it turns out, they're voting for a boyfriend or a husband and not a, a president. They all want to vote for the person who's going to be the best inside spoon. And, uh, and, and, and that's, that's what matters most, you know? Hillary's, Hillary's a socialist in training. Bernie is a full-on commie. But, you know... <laughs> Trump, he sometimes says things that aren't nice. So, uh, and there was, a, there was an audio tape of him with Billy Bush, so we can't vote for him. It's, it's madness. Well, they're having a summit, and it is the summit on conservative principles. And it is such absolute garbage. 
Because if, if we're going to discuss what actual conservatism is, one of the things that it is, is accepting the world the way it is and working within it. It is, it is the, the far-fetched, it is the, the, the idea of progressives, that they see the world the way they want it and try to bend the world to their will. The conservative recognizes it the way it is. And that's not what these people are doing. They're not, they're not, I would argue they're not conservative and I would argue they're not principled. And even if they are conservative and even if they do believe this, their approach is backwards to what it is uh, that all of us, regardless of our political uh, identification, would understand as, as reality. Here's the world, Trump's president, and this is who's running against him, and here's the record of what Trump's got done, and here's the record of what Trump has said. Now what? Isn't that the way we're supposed to look at it? There's a story out, I don't know, I don't know if it's the Wall Street Journal or, or where it was, Trump has completely remade the Ninth Circuit Court. So many judges have been put onto the bench all over the country by Trump and Mitch McConnell. 200. Um, is, is the number? 187 or Yeah, close to 200. Yeah. Uh, that, the, that the Ninth Circuit, the most liberal court of appeals in the land, is now conservative. Ten judges on that court. Did, did and it has changed the makeup. Lifetime? What? Did any of us ever think that would happen in our lifetime? No. No, and it's not good enough. See, now that's a whole different. That's a whole different subject, right? That's that's. There are people who be, who believe that for sure. That that he, he hasn't gone enough, hasn't done far enough. I'll leave that for another day. But if you take, a, if you're somebody who takes a look at court activism, right? Court activism is when uh, Trump says, "Here's our new policy on on immigration," to which the president is allowed to make the policy, and some judge in Hawaii says, "No, you can't do that." That judge in Hawaii should have no power whatsoever to do that. Don't tell me, oh, they're a judge. They're doing it because they're part of the quote-unquote resistance. Like Trump or don't like Trump, he gets to do the job. The answer is to vote him out, not to have some rogue judge deciding they know better than the duly elected by 60-plus million Americans president of the United States. Mm -hmm. That's the story, and that's the, 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 the prism by which it has to be looked at. So these judges have been activists, and here comes the Trump administration, and yes, Mitch McConnell, to kind of say, no, 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 we want judges who actually adjudicate. We want judges who actually look at the law and then make determinations. My God, even Gorsuch and Kavanaugh, Trump appointees to the Supreme Court, have voted against him, have voted against the administration's wants. I mean, that's, it's just stunning that people think that what we're seeing from these lower courts right now is acceptable or doable or valuable. Uh, it's, it's not. So when I take a look at it, if I'm going to discuss conservatism, don't I want judges who actually adjudicate? Absolutely. And I think that we need to give credit where credit is due. I mean, let, let's face it, over at least the last decade, I think many of us on the right have been highly critical of Mitch McConnell. McConnell's been gold lately. I mean, he, he's, he's really come through and he hasn't been a squish. And I, I think that we need to credit him for that. So the, the and conservatives do and people on the political right do. And they, I mean, when he was running against a guy named Blankenship and it, this was the guy who said uh, um, Mitch McConnell is is controlled by China people. Do you remember that insanity? And that's when he referred to him as cocaine Mitch. Mitch, Dan, Mitch McConnell got referred to as cocaine Mitch. And they've embraced that in that in that camp, and they do ads about it, and there are shirts about it. It's completely insane. But Mitch McConnell was considered a squishy, squishy dude, 
and questionable right until he wouldn't move forward with the nomination of Merrick Garland because it was the it, the uh, Obama was was leaving and there was an election coming. He's like, no, I'm not going to have a part of this. And people were like, can you actually hold firm on that? And he did. And kind of became that level of lore. And ever since then, he understands, I think, Trump really well. And I've seen him push back on things, but I've seen him when clearly the answer is this about conservative judges, go after it. And if you're somebody who says, well, I don't want conservative judges, well, then my advice to you is uh, vote for a, a liberal Bernie candidate. Sanders. And your choice right now is Bernie Sanders. <laughs> or or uh, you can have fake Native American Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren. Because there's no difference between those two. She, by the way, came in, she in third? She's in third. Amy Klobuchar came in fifth. No, no, no. Oh, yeah, she's in fourth. Uh, and Klobuchar was in fifth or sixth? Fifth. Fifth. Yeah. Well, that's impressive because Tom Steyer in all the polls was doing well in Nevada. Uh, so that's, that's pretty bad for him. And it's right now bad for Klobuchar. I don't know what her future is going to be. But yeah, this Bernie outrage is garbage. It's garbage. What else? They knew what they, they bought their tickets. They knew what they were getting into. I say, let them crash. Yeah. <laughs> this is what you asked for. I don't feel one bit sorry for you. But watching the press freak out is hilarious. And it's going to be fun to watch. This is, this is such a great election cycle. It it's going to be so fun to watch. Right, because this is now a whole new storyline. You had the storyline of Trump. You have the storyline of who's going to run against Trump and the topics are going to matter. Now you've got the storyline of the Democratic Party eating their own because the guy they have been following for the past five years is actually doing well. That's crazy. Can you imagine the Republicans end up winning the, the White House in November and flipping the House, too, and keeping the Senate? Can, can you? So, first of all, yes, I can imagine Maybe it. Maybe people would actually lead the country like they've been threatened. <laughs> I, I wonder whether or not they will figure out, okay, we have two years. Time to get everything done. Literally everything done. Two years. Mm -hmm. Because I will guarantee you uh, that come the 2022 election, come the midterms, the House or the Senate will go back to Democratic hands. It, right. it just, if, if it, if it just will. It's, it's who the country is. They want right. a little bit of that balanced play. If that happens, I think Trump has already proved that he's the, he's the person that comes in and gets stuff done. So if he does have, if he does have the, the House and the Senate, I, I think more than any other president in our lifetime, he has shown that he's willing to actually, like a businessman, like a CEO, get stuff done. Well, they need to take a page out of the playbook from Virginia Democrats and what they've done on the state level in Virginia when it comes to gun laws. They're like, we're just going to push everything through that we want. We don't or try to or try to because they got yeah, stopped they on the stop. uh, uh, quote unquote assault weapons. But we're like, hey, we have a limited amount of time here. We're going to push everything through that we can. Yeah, I did not know that in Virginia, the governor's term limited to one term. You can only run. You only have one term. You're one and done. So it makes sense that racist Ralph Northam, blackface himself, uh, Guys, he was in blackface in his in his yearbook photo. I mean, you and I would have be done with a career. He's still governor. I mean, it's stunning. Uh, he's trying to get everything done and to get the heat off of him. I think that's why he any went for this full politician would have been done with their career without question. Any of them, oh, but, but any he, level. He's allowed to stay and help heal the state's racial divide. by being an anti-gun guy. And all the does anyone want to talk about how all those gun laws are rooted in racism? All of those gun laws, those 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 uh, repressive laws are rooted in the idea that they were the, 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 those people were afraid that, that black folk were going to get a gun. I do in air quotes as I say <laughs> that. Like, you should be afraid. It's so nuts. But that's where it all comes from historically. Another day for that. Let's get into the smoke. 
so the smoke here is the Davidoff 50th year, and we're going to get to it in a second. But first, I wanted to go back and check on how we're doing on the Aberfeldy 12 year, which is the single malt uh, scotch. Uh, Fingers, how are you? Loving it. Absolutely loving it, and I'm not a scotch guy. Right, and April finishers. Oh, you put it. Oh, I didn't realize you put it on the cube. On, I only wanted it in the glass. I didn't. I didn't we, we had it on a taster glass. I didn't want it on the cube. I just wanted it in an actual. Glass. In like in a rocks glass. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'll tell you as I'm go, going in uh, further on the scotch, and when you pair it with the cigar, I'm starting to pick up more of the grapefruit. Honestly, are you? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you can have mine. I, I, uh, I, on the rock. It's on the cube. It's gotten lighter, of course, and. Um, I mean, it's it's forty percent uh, uh, in terms of alcohol by volume, so there's not much of a of an alcohol hit. It's just not for me. It's amazing. I used to be very okay with scotch, and it's just it's it's over. Rye has overtaken it as my as my drink of choice. Adore it to death. So I can't uh, do the scotch, and but I can. Well, eat eat rye smoke, eat meat and rye smoke. I believe is what the name of the. New podcast is, by the way, Fanimation, fantastic sponsor, Fanimation.com for all your ceiling fan needs at Blend Bar Cigar, which is in Houston and Pittsburgh and Nashville, right here in Indianapolis. All the ceiling fans are from Fanimation. Custom ceiling fans made to your specifications, whisper quiet motors, blades that are interchangeable to match the look of your home, indoor, outdoor, everything. Fanimation. Fanimation.com. Nathan and his team, if you follow them on, on Facebook, tell them you heard about it on the Eat Drink Smoke podcast. Fanimation, and you'll see some really weird videos from him and his team. They're really weird, but they're a lot of fun, but they make great ceiling fans, and you're going to love them in your home or in your place of business. Fanimation, fanimation fanimation.com. We are smoking the 50-year from Davidoff. This is uh, the Davidoff Diademus Fina. Now, I want to almost say we've smoked this before. There's a part of me that thinks we have done this Already, but we came in to blend bar cigar, and Richard, who is the cigar sommelier, said, "You have to smoke this. You have to smoke it." I guess they got it back in, whatever it is. And I wasn't about to argue with the man. No. I said, "Yes, sir." This is um, a uh, six and three quarter by fifty in the fina size. It is an Ecuadorian habano wrapper, a Dominican Olorseco binder, and it's Dominican uh, in the fillers. The Olorseco. Uh, has this very, very distinct, almost tobacco-esque aroma, uh, which is uh, in here. And you can actually catch that, and April was catching it even before uh, we we lit it up. Um, the flavor profile, I'm not even so sure I've got that yet. I don't know if I have figured out what it is I would connect it to. That it's enhancing some of the flavors of the scotch is it, certainly, certainly very, very possible. That I have got what these flavors are yet, I, I can't. I can't quite uh, can't quite say it's a, it's a beautiful uh, kind of milk chocolatey brown, a little more on on the browner uh, side. Um, you talked about the wrapper and, and kind of getting that tobacco smell. Uh, the wrapper is going to be like a, like a bit of leather and a bit of peanut uh, that goes with it uh, as well. And peanut kind of that kind of nutty kind of comes all the way through with a little bit of of basically a chocolate and a bread. Right, so if you think about the 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 type of tobaccos, you think about the Ecuadorian. It's not, you know, that far off from what that reality is going to be like. That that kind of makes sense. It's going to have a semi sweetness, that kind of bread feel, that kind of creaminess to it. But I think this is something that you don't know what you have until the second, third, and we've just now lit it up. So I think it's going to be a little while 
before we get to it. That brings us to the woman who called 911 because her parents took away her cell phone. <laughs> Canton, Ohio. And this woman calls 911. My parents cut off my cell phone service. I want to know how she called. And uh, Her flip phone. Right? <laughs> the parents strange. cut off the cell phone service. Hold on. I'm going to wait for April to get the joke. The parents cut off the cell phone service. She called 911. I get it. I just want to make sure. Because you didn't know. Way did you seem like Look, you just that's got the that? State of journalism today. We don't know how she called nine one one. Where are the journalists Where's out the facts? there? Yeah, right. Where? Where? where why are we not getting these hard questions answered? So, she calls nine one one. They're like, uh, yeah, that's not an emergency. We're, we're. Uh, thank you very much. Have a nice day. Um, they hang up on her. She hangs up on them. She calls back, and they're like, whoa, whoa, you can't be bothering us. You, if you keep calling, you're gonna. It's it's going to be a crime. She keeps calling. So the police go out there and they arrest her. You would think that this is the story. Uh, you know, if I tell you the story, this is a millennial. This is the entitled generation. This is what's wrong with America. This woman is 36 years old. That makes her a millennial. What? That means millennial. Wait. I'm a millennial. I'm, we're right on the cusp. What? Yeah. They even call us Xenials because we're, we grew up like Xers, um, didn't ha- but we're not quite, mil- we are Oh my God, 36 we, is a millennial. Yeah. And it blows my mind because we still grew up with the, they call us Oregon Trail because we grew up like Gen Xers Do you did. have dysentery? I did. There's a, <laughs> I took a penicillin for that. Um, I don't think that's... Is yeah, that what you take for dysentery? I have no idea. Uh, uh, maybe it wasn't dysentery. <laughs> maybe you should get a new doctor. <laughs> anyway. She's a millennial. Right? I'm technically a millennial. No. And, and to make you feel even better, she's probably a registered voter. <laughs> so. Oh, the 36-year-old? Yeah. Bernie wouldn't have taken away her... <laughs> With How do your Obama film that got taken away. <laughs> <laughs> How do you do it? Like what I I am part of the group of people that is desperate not to make fun of millennials. Desperate not to make fun of them. I think it's just wrong on every level. Because you can't take this wide brush and paint every single one of them. But man, do they make it difficult? They make it difficult. I choose to believe that she's the group dummy. Like out of her little uh, circle of friends, she's she's the idiot, and she was put up to this. Like she went to her friends, uh, they were hanging out because she couldn't call them, and said, "You won't believe what happened. Mom and Dad took my cell phone away from me." And, and some smartass said, "You know what you should do? You should call nine one one. That's what you should do. Call the cops." Yeah, but see, that would, if it, if it happened that way, it wouldn't have been a smartass. It would have been. You say to me, you're, you're here. What we're gonna, we're gonna role play this out. Follow, okay. follow me, April D. Gregory. Um, you are the 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 36 year old woman, uh-huh. which you can identify with. Yeah, absolutely. Just identify, I and it's true. Pretty. And and you're gonna tell me how your parents cut off your cell. Phone. Wait, can we stop for a moment? She's 36, and her parents still pay her cell phone bill. Yeah. Okay, good. Just that's all we had to say. We're done. Now now go go on. Bring it. Like. <laughs> Like, Rachel, <laughs> you're not going to believe what happened to me yesterday. What is with the hillbilly accents? <laughs> That's hillbilly? I'm pretty sure that was Valley Girl. No, that was not Valley Girl. Like, my folks got all angry with me like, because I came oh home at 3 o'clock in the morning. That's, that's Ohio <laughs> Valley Girl. 
and they took my cell phone away. You know what you should do. You know, you know what you should do. You know what you should do. You know what you should do. Oh my God, this is this is the patriarchy. That's what this is. This is your dad. What's this a your dad? This is your, you know, it's 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 like when guys like have stuff and then tell us we can't have stuff. So you know you got you. That's what the police are for. They're they're to correct injustice. Except of course when they're attacking all those people who are here, you know, illegally who shouldn't be illegal because there shouldn't be any borders. So what you should do? What you should do? What you should do? What you should do? You should call the police. Right? Call the police. Who is? Who do your parents think they are? What you think they got that money because they're good? They stole it. Had anything to do with this? We were having so much fun. Why? Why you Buzz Killington? By the way, you can subscribe to Eat, Drink, Smoke. <laughs> Apple Podcasts. Leave a five-star review. She's 36. Her parents pay for the phone bill. Now, I will tell a true story. Um, my parents and I, we used to work together in a, in a business. And so when we did, I, I had the cell phone bill. And I paid for everybody's bill. I paid for their cell phone bill for a good 15 years. And when then they they needed to get new phones, and so I said, Jesus, "Go handle it." And then and then they ended up paying for everybody's phone bill for like another six years. And eventually, I'm like, I, I realized that one day, I'm like, "What the hell is this?" And so I cut it off and I took our own bill back. But we it was part of a family business. It made perfect sense. I'm not saying that there aren't cases for. Did you just eye roll me, girl? Maybe they have a family business. Uh, you know what? You're I don't. She don't. called the cops because their parents cut off the cell phone. I don't think they have a family business. Unless it's a family meth business. That's where I was headed. It was a family meth business? Here's the come to Jesus moment. This is as much her parents' fault as it is her fault. If you raise a 36-year-old that would do this, something was wrong with your parenting style. She didn't just turn out to be a 36-year-old brat on her own. May I play devil's advocate for just one second? No. Say, what if her parents got a pretty sweet discounted rate on cell service and they said, okay, Becky, uh, you can be on our bill. Are they millennials yeah, too? As long as you pay your bill. And Becky stopped paying the bill. And so they said, well, if you're not okay. giving the money. Then, there you go. So, I mean, maybe this is, you know, again, we need journalism We need here. journalism happening. Where is the journalism? So your argument is we don't have enough information to properly yes. mock this girl. Yes. We need more information, we and then just, we can... We can't just base it on the clickbait headline. Right? I'll, I mean, I think we can. We can mock <laughs> the fact that she called the cops, but we can also mock her parents for raising a child that would call the cops over a cell phone bill. I was uh, out last night. As I said, it was a power, power weekend for Tony Katz. And... Talking to some friends who also have kids. Yeah, you texted us at 11 p.m. I'm like, I'm already asleep. What are you doing? I was just, I, I was just getting my night started. Ooh. 11 p.m. is how I roll. Uh, and the conversation was, in the raising of kids, what are you trying to do? What are you trying to get accomplished? And so the argument that was made to me, for lack of a better word, an argument is that it's important to have a purpose-driven life. That... The truth is, is that if you are a person without purpose, how exactly do you get up in the morning? Now, I've heard this said a couple different ways. And one of the things is you have to have something at the end of the day that you can point to that you accomplished. It's, if you don't have a, a career, a job, something where at the end of the day, you could say, I built this thing. I created this. I did this. It's kind of hard to feel motivated. But this purpose-driven life concept is the idea that your life, not necessarily each day, but your life. Is, is meant to a thing. And you need to be able to find that and utilize that and capitalize 
on, on that. I thought that was that was pretty insightful. I had not thought of it as a purpose-driven life because I argue, you know, uh, that... It's an entire book, you know. I, I, the purpose-driven life. I, I, until you just mentioned, I didn't even think about it. Yeah, it was written by Pauly Shore. It was. It was not. But it was. It was. But it was. This was not coming from. It's coming from a, a friend who's just said. This is how. No, I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't think that's the case. Um, I always say that you know, if you're if you're raising boys, you're raising girls. You're, uh, you know, people talk about the importance of school and and getting good grades. I'm not raising grades. I'm raising men or I'm raising women. And so, and I kind of thought that the whole idea of a purpose was important that I, I'm trying to raise people who are these these decent people unaffected by the political correct disaster going on all around us. That's what I'm trying to do. I think it's a takeoff of Chris Rock. All, all I'm trying to do is keep my baby off the pole, which Steven Spielberg failed miserably at. Oh his, his daughter... Oh. Announcing that she's going into porn, and and by the way, feel knock yourself out. Who am I to say? I, I don't know who his daughter is. I had nothing else. What I, I I don't really judge it. It's just that it, I think Chris Rock's point was a to one that might be you know very literal of I don't want that for my daughter. I want to make sure she's emotionally stable. If that's the argument that right people who are strippers are emotionally unstable, which I don't necessarily buy into. But it's the idea I want them to have a, to, to, to find a, a something that is valuable and, and worthy and kind of uh, get attracted to and attached onto. I think there's something really interesting about that. And when I see women like this 36-year-old, when I see the people who are screaming in the streets, do you guys know who Caitlin Bennett is? So Caitlin Bennett is the Kent State University gun girl. So she graduates Kent State, and she takes a picture of herself for her senior photo with an AR-15, and everybody goes nuts. Well, she's turned this into some level of celebrity, and I've never really paid attention to her because I thought she was just an attention seeker. People like her, and they say she's actually pretty good at what she does, and so, you know, I have to now go back and and do do research on her. She goes to visit Ohio University. She's going to do some interviews or whatever for some channel she has. She has security. This guy who must be nine feet tall is a freak. Um... The entire university comes out to yell at her and scream at her. Hundreds of kids, if not thousand, a thousand plus, throwing bottles at her, toilet paper at her, screaming at her. And then there are these girls, women, I don't know at what age you call what person what, who are getting in her way. They don't want her to pass. Don't push me. Don't shove me. They're getting in her way. They don't want her there. They want her to leave, but they're getting in her way to show how tough they are. And I look at these people like I look at the Antifa people. And I ask myself, what is their purpose? Right? They could say all oh, their purpose is to expose the, the problems and the hypocrisy. No, no, no. In, in the world of Antifa, in Portland, Oregon, they tell people they can't cross the street. They redirect traffic. The police do nothing because the mayor there, Ted Wheeler, is like totally fine with this. It's, it seems very obvious that he's fine with this. But what is their purpose? These people, if you're, you're going to take your time to yell and scream at someone who's walking around the campus... You're gonna get. You're gonna allow them that much real estate in your head. What is your purpose? I, I had not. I, I, and I don't. I find out who wrote Purpose Driven Life, so we can give them credit for it. But my point is, is that when I talk about, I want to raise men or raise women, right? That's what I think that the job of the parent is not grades or anything else. People who are confident and secure and not buying into the political correct trap that has become the college system. Maybe that whole idea of purpose is, is maybe a better way to say it, or maybe it's part of a way to say it. Yeah, and the other thing that's really troubling about that is that's the kind of behavior I would expect in Portland. That's the kind of behavior I would expect at UC Berkeley. This is Ohio University that this happened. That is 
so troubling. And I think it also ties into the current problems of the Democratic Party is they are catering more to the woke than well, they got, are the typical Democrat. Yeah, but it, it, the idea of woke is not just left to Berkeley. It's not just left uh, to, to NYU. It, yeah, it is Ohio University. Because the university is not the place. The university are these students who are are focused on trying to prove how important and how valuable they are. You have to prove that you have this place in society. You have to prove that you have worth and you have value. And how else do you do that except go out there and not even just protest, get violent with somebody who's just walking around so they can now go back to, yeah, I stood up to her. That was, Nazi. Well, whatever, well, they're going to call her a Nazi because right. that's kind of what they do. But it's, it's, it's this, where is the value in that? Where is the the... What if you're a parent and this is what your child's doing? Have you ever asked them what was the value in that? What do you get out of that? That you disagree with her? Fine. Was it necessary to try and start a fight with her? I disagree with Louis Farrakhan. I am never once getting into a fight with the man. And that's by the way, it's not that I don't disagree. I just disagree with Louis Farrakhan. Louis Farrakhan is an anti-Semite, hateful guy. And the people who support him are shameful people who should be pushed to the fringes of society. Notice I didn't say that he can't say what he says. He's an American. He can say what he says. I just don't want any part of him on the, on the public sphere. I would go maybe and protest if he was speaking at a university. I'm not going to scream in his face. I'm not going to put signs in his face. I'm not going to get violent with him. That's the, that, I think, is defeats what I think is a larger purpose, which is getting people to understand that what he pushes forth is bigotry. He's anti-white. He's anti-gay. He's, he's an anti-Semite. This is who he is. He's a hateful, bigoted guy. And you literally have to be a congressman from Indianapolis to think he's okay, which is Andre Carson, who's right. like, who seems to be fine with him and won't condemn him in any level. But it, it's you watch this 36-year-old call the police over a cell phone, and you ask yourself, what exactly does she think her purpose is? What ex- everybody owes her. Everybody has to give for her. Everybody has to provide for her. Even if we don't know all the every, every last little bit of, of fact in that story. There's something to that that she thought she was entitled to that cell phone. That's the story. That's the top line. This entitlement thing is the problem. And what's the purpose? When does entitlement ever like create a value? And so I just... It all kind of culminated. And the other for thing, me. too, that's troubling about that is there's also obviously a hint of desperation when it comes to losing your cell phone. People oh, are so we, addicted to oh, this device. That's all of us, though. That, that it would actually run through some an, an adult's mind, a 36 year old's mind, that, oh my gosh, my cell phone, it's, I can't use it anymore. What am I going to, I'm panicking. I, I should call the police. Phone addiction's real. I'm with you there. You literally lose your ability to think. I don't. I don't. I'm. Don't think I want to be a part of that. And I haven't figured out how not. I, again, as I said, I don't know how to not be a part of it. But I don't want to be a part of that. It can't be that important. Like I'm guilty of texting and driving. I'm guilty of it. And so now it's to the point where I, I mean, I turn off my phone. It's not that important. I don't need to know. 
you know, I, I, I certainly will make a phone call and, and, and talk as I'm, as I'm driving. It's never affected. Texting is taking your eyes off the road. It's, it's just absolutely true. Here in the state of Indiana, they're going to eventually pass this law probably this year. That makes it a crime to text and drive, which really is about allowing the police to have more intrusiveness into stopping you and then checking your car for whatever it is they decide is wrong. Exactly don't, what we all need. Right. But I can't. I don't know how I fight back against the idea that you shouldn't text and drive. I don't. I have no argument that I can give the state legislature that says why you shouldn't pass this thing. They're going to pass it. Of course, they're going to pass it because people see people texting and driving all the time. Like they're going to get someone killed, including me. That's what they say, right? Even though that that's going to get misused. That's the part that I find so problematic. I mean, we've talked about it several times. I know in the state of Michigan in the '70s when they passed the seatbelt law, it was going to be a secondary offense. That's how they got it by the uh, people of Michigan. They said, okay, we'll never be able to pull you over because you were not wearing your seatbelt. And then that sweet, sweet, sweet uh, seatbelt ticket revenue started coming in. They're like, oh, you know what? You really should wear your seatbelt. And then all of a sudden you had cops on overpasses with binoculars looking into cars to see. And that's where we're headed with this. So the difference between the two things is that the seatbelt laws are bunk. Because the only person the seatbelt, not wearing a seatbelt affects is me if I get into the accident. And if you say to me, well, if you get into an accident, you go through the window, it costs us money to be able to come and save you. Have you ever seen the people who, get, who hike in the woods? And they hike in trails that are like super, super dangerous. And then they get lost. And then we then send out search parties. It takes four days. And we find them. We helicopter them in. We're going to go searching for those people? They hiked into the woods the damn cells. Why in the world am I even searching? Bye. You got what you wanted. You're one with nature. Quite literally, you are going to be one with nature. We save people because we save people. It's what we do. They didn't wear the seatbelt that's on them. Maybe it's a liability issue for their insurance, and their insurance company doesn't have to pay out because they weren't wearing a seatbelt. That's a choice that they make, and it's individual. When someone is texting and driving and taking their eyes off the road, they are, if they are affecting my ability to get home safely. And for that, maybe there is something that should be maybe, discussed. But, if I'm not, but you're not wrong. Going to be people with binoculars. Oh, absolutely. And if I'm texting and driving again, you should you should wear your seatbelt. You should not text and drive. You shouldn't tweet and drive. But if I get home and I don't run into anyone and I drive in a manner that from the outside looks safe, then I would argue that it's none of the government's damn business. And it's also already against the law to be a distracted driver. Why is it that if I have a phone in my hand and I'm looking down? Oh, that's a good point. Why, why, why if I'm looking at a phone, that's suddenly awful. But if I'm looking at my radio, if I'm dealing with my kid in the back seat, if um, I'm eating cereal, which I've putting seen before on the road, putting your mascara reading on, well, that's, that's, that's a little harder to prove. Reading a book? Haven't you seen those people that read no. while they're driving? Is, is it distracted driving to have sex while you're driving? Well, you tell me. Depends me how good it is. I, I well, so I I, I will say Can it this way. A story about this. I I will say it this way. Uh, um, I, I don't. I, I kept my eyes on the road. Oh my god. Um, Becky. I I didn't I, I didn't I didn't feel distracted. I I, I felt great. <laughs> I felt I oh. Wait, okay. Yeah. Okay. Oh, oh, like you've never you you've never. No. What. What. What? No. Fingers? <laughs> Fingers. Stop it! This conversation is over with. I am uncomfortable. Uh, I am not oh, yet done did, with... Did she sign her NDA, by the way? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. No, I'm Tony Bloomberg. This is Eat, Drink, Smoke. <laughs> Subscribe at Apple Podcasts. Leave a five-star review. Uh, the, this is the 50th anniversary. Um, Davidoff. 
I, I know that we've done this before. I gotta go back and check it out. Uh, where are we on this? What are, you're into the good. second third. Good. This this is de- this is definitely a full cigar. Don't don't get me wrong. Um, I think that there's you know, it does have a bit of cream. It does have a touch of spice with with the Dominican uh, in it. Uh, I'm I had to actually relight it at the first. Because it, it, it comes to a point, the, the Fina, it comes to a point, it kind of, then it kind of opens up in, into the ring gauge, because we, we talked about that, right? Did we, did we mention, did I, did I somehow forget to do uh, the ring gauge here? No, you mentioned it. All right. But no, we didn't, we, you did not. I, we there didn't, was no teehee. Well, he didn't do it the way he usually does it. All right. You know what? I'll, oh, I'll do it the way I the usually bar. do it. Because this cigar, um, wait, where, where in the world was it? I don't, I, don't, I don't. There it is. So it, it's a, it's a six and three quarter by fifty. So fifty is the ring gauge, how thick it is around, <laughs> and then six and three quarter is six and three quarters inches. That's how long it is. <laughs> there it is. Much better, much better. Um, no, it's a fine smoke. It's absolutely a fine cigar. Are, are you getting uh, a sense? Are you getting the notes uh, that the filler is is made from five different premium tobaccos? I'm gonna punch you. I'm gonna punch you. Stop. Put down your app. It's ruining you. It is. It is. It is ruining you. Um. It's. I don't. This. Th- there's definitely a strength here, and so what I'm trying to do is decipher between the strength and the flavors within the strength, because I'm. I'm not sure. I, I'm. I'm never a fan of a cigar, that's wrapped this way. Really? Yeah. Well, how, the, the where you like the front of it there, you know. Uh, the and it's at this thin point almost it's tapered. And, and opens up right, and yeah. it's tapered. It's tapered at the at the cap. When it's tapered at both ends, it feels like you know. Depending, maybe it was just my cigar. You struggle a little bit uh, for the first five minutes in the first third, but now, I mean, it's fantastic, and I haven't had any issues with keeping it lit. So we the other day smoked a cigar, the cigar formerly known as Mysterioso. I think it's Mysterioso. It's from La Florida Dominicana. I have now smoked a couple of those. I love that cigar. I, I Lafleur makes me happy, and I want to do more of what it is that they've got. Um, it's not as as it's not as powerful as this one, so I for at least to me, so I enjoyed it a little bit more. The strength in this is really hitting me, and I'm having a little trouble with the deciphering of the flavors. It's not; it does definitely have that bit of sweetness. It does definitely have the touch of cream, and it's weird to think of sweet and strong bold, but this is doing both of those things. Um, I can't. I don't know if I, this is in my humidor or not. You, you didn't mention a price point, or if oh, you did, yeah. I missed it. I, I, I don't even have it. Oh. I don't even have it. I gotta go back and and find it. Um, oh no, no, I'm sorry. Uh, I think this is forty eight dollars. Yeah. Oh, okay. Thirty six some dollars is what it says on the app. On the app, right? Okay, on the app. You're both the worst. So between thirty-five and fifty bucks is what this is. Boy, I'll tell I you don't know. Smoke, but I don't know if I would pay forty-five dollars for this. Yeah, if I'm spending that much for myself, which I'm not, uh, it would be a, a spicy one. We've done like. some God of Fires. I actually we've, we've done some Opus Xs mm-hmm. that are in this price range that I think I would go to more. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that says something about me or maybe what I've eaten or maybe what it's the it's Scotch. Good for sure. That's, that's definitely good. I've, you know. But I'm curious, and I'm just now into the second, third, so... I'm not turning it away. That's for darn sure. I would, find no. I would feel better about this if it was around the $25 price point. Right? Yeah. No, I get your point. I get your point. I, when you start getting into 30 plus, well, it's just, you better get wowed. Yeah. yeah, and it's just rare. I mean, even if it is that much, I, I even if I'm wowed, I personally am just not spending that much on a second. Right? I, no, I can appreciate that. Well, I can appreciate it for someone else to Absolutely. purchase it for you. Yeah. 
That's that's April D. Gregory. Uh, people, Russell Stover. They make Easter candy, uh, and and they're proud uh, of it, right? The big chocolate bunnies for Easter. Now, not being Jewish, I did not know that the plan was to ruin Easter, but clearly Russell Stover is on a mission to destroy Easter because they now have uh, sour bunnies. You can get um, blue raspberry, watermelon, and cherry flavors, white fudge, and the respective flavors are built in so you feel this, this kick of, of sour oh, right there. They're also available in one-ounce eggs, blue raspberry, watermelon, and uh, cherry. Uh, why have they decided to ruin Easter, and is, uh, is this the best way to do it? It could just be a sour bunny if you want. It doesn't mean the white fudge is disgusting. White chocolate is Gross. Racist. So mixing the white and the sour doesn't even make sense. It's, no. Give me a sour bunny. I'll eat it. If That's our were, diversity officer, April D. Gregory, yeah, by the way. If they were going to ruin Easter, they would make a fireball. <laughs> are we going to talk about this right now? I, I, it did not dawn on me. It did not dawn on me to bring a bottle of fireball because I don't have one. I lost the bet, so I have to do a bottle of fireball. A bottle. A, bottle. a yeah. shot. That's oh, the entire was, reason I'm yes. here is for Tony to do a bottle of Fireball. Yes. He's not even going to do oh, it today. Oh, man, would that be fun. I Honestly, I did not even think about the fact that Blend does not carry Fireball. What kind of, what kind of establishment is this? Blend Bar Cigar, Indianapolis, Indiana. I lost a bet on how long impeachment was going to run, so I have to do a shot of Fireball. So uh, that's, that's, it's just, it's just going to have to wait, but we will do it. We will put it out. On video. You're not disgusted by this? By white fudge? I'm disgusted by white fudge. Absolutely. 100%. Oh, I mean, what's the... I, uh, we, we did this last year, but the worst East, the worst Easter candy. Cadbury eggs. No, they're fine. <laughs> I'd eat a Cadbury egg right now. <laughs> oh, yeah. I have to agree with the young lady over here. Cadbury eggs are terrible. Wait, the young lady? She just said she's 36. I did well, not say I'm 36, because I'm, I'm not. Well, I'm 42. <laughs> <laughs> No, Cadbury eggs are fine. I don't know. I don't know. If, I don't know if I've had enough Easter candy to determine a worse. Peeps. peeps. Ah, peeps are bad. Peeps are bad. Oh, you're into the Good stale night. peeps. I'm into the stale peeps. Remember? Yep. Good lord. Yeah, peeps. Peeps are pretty awful. Uh, have you ever roasted a peep? Yes. I've, yes. Well, yeah. I've done the s'more peep thing. That's good. Yeah. Yeah, I would try that. I would try that. Fire usually improves a lot of food. So, yeah, right? I would agree with that. Steak raw can be okay. <laughs> but steak medium rare is fantastic. I made a I made a uh, rib roast before I left. Uh, oh, yeah. for, for the for the for the family for the kinder. Um, uh, salt and pepper crust. Uh, 500 uh, preheat to 500 degrees, bring it down to 475. On a rib roast, I do 5 minutes a pound and then leave it in there for 2 to 2 and a half hours with the oven off. Perfect. Nice. Perfect. Well, I told you I was going to get a wood pellet grill. I'm going to get it for the spring, but I just saw this other grill that apparently just hit from Australia. Uh, it gets to 1,500 degrees. It's, it's, is it electric or is it? It's gas. What do you do with that much degrees? You cook a burger in one second? You sear a steak. Right. And, and cook it incredibly fast. 1,500 degrees. But so that's, not, it, the, that's it, not the green egg? No, it's 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 from Australia. I wish I had the name of it Green in front of me. Uh, it's the koala it. something, it, and it, it's it it looks like a toaster oven. It's the crikey, it's the crikey three thousand. <laughs> <laughs> Comes with a Vegemite sandwich. Oh my god! Yeah, I I so the wood pellet one is the Traeger grill. Yeah. Um, now is that electric? I believe so. Right. And so it, it, it's got a wood pellet feeder that feeds the the, the grill, and you get the the wood flavor, and you, you can use it as a smoker, and it can get up to five hundred degrees, so you can sear meat. I would love. I, I've thought about getting a green egg. I think I've talked about this for a while. 
I just can't commit. I I know, I, know, I know me too well. I can't do I know it. That gets one uses it for about a year and then it, that's it. The green egg. They've, they've lost interest. And they the, try to sell you know, it, which is nice. Oh well, I, that did happen to me. Mice got into my grill, so I'm getting rid of the grill. Oh, I almost I almost barbecued the mice. I didn't know. And I lit. I I turned it on, <laughs> and the next thing you know, these mice ran out of. I'm like, what the hell? I turned off the the fire. I lifted up, and they have nests, and the nests were on fire. It was it was bad, but, but I think they all survived. How was they, it take? They moved to Boca. Um, uh, it was it was done on a cast iron skillet, and I will tell you that I have been wrong my whole life. Steak on a cast iron skillet is tremendous. I've heard that. It's so good. I would do, I do, used to do the sear it on the cast iron, then put it in the oven. Right. Then sear it. Yeah. Do a little more sear. Yeah, yeah you can do that. So you in would. In butter. Sear in butter. A hundred percent. Yeah. And so I, I, I don't do the butter one if only because I feel like I'm, I'm not being a purist to the food. So I, I, I will only get a steak, like I will only get uh, the, the, the rib roast, if the fat cap is still on it. I will only do a top round, which is, again, you do in the oven, but you do seven minutes a pound as opposed to five minutes a pound, and then leave it off for like two, two and a half, maybe even three hours, um, depending on, on how you like it. But leave it in the closed oven. Don't open it. Uh, it has to have the fat cap because you want the fat to melt through. That's where so much of the flavor is. So I will maybe drizzle a touch of, of olive oil on, on the cast iron skillet, and then I will sear the steak on the, on the fat cap first, allowing some of that to melt off. And now the steak is basically cooking within the fat of the steak. So I don't feel like I need the butter. Because I've done rib roast where you, you can actually kind of coat the thing in butter and then season it, coat it in butter, season it again. I don't think it added enough to... It's just an enhancer. Like salt is... Right. Butter is not like something that takes away from food. It just makes a little butter. But I don't think it added enough to make it worth my time uh, to do it. Okay. That was my take on it. Um, but cast iron steaks are fantastic and i feel i i, I almost feel guilty because i mean i grew up with it with, with a mother who'd go out and grill them and i would grill them with her and we, that's what we would do and 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 of course it was about grilling and say you had to grill a steak and that's the manly way oh bull crap cast iron is fun people put the cast iron skillet on a grill yes you can do that but i mean you can do that like if if you're if you've got the steak on the grill or a burger on a grill and you're cooking something else a vegetable or something else you want you're, you, that's what's perfect about it. That it is is that multifunctional. Yeah. But I'm just saying that that what I thought I was supposed to do, the standard. Nah, nah. This is and, this and is pretty terrific. By the way, my nickname in college was Fat Cap. Is that right? Yeah. Oh. I mean, brag. Oh. Did you Did you ever make any any movies? No, but I can tell you under about the a name trip Fat in, Cap. I can tell you about a trip in my car. I oh, know, I think we already talked about your oh, trip in the car. Okay. No, we have to discuss. He comes in today to, to, to record, eat, drink, smoke, here at Blend Bar Cigar, Indianapolis, Indiana, blendbarcigar.com. Podcast available at Apple Podcasts, wherever you get podcasts. Write a review, leave a five-star review for eat, drink, smoke. And he says, I got a story that only proves that Disney may not be the worst place on earth. Oh, That's he walked in with yes. this. What is this story? Costco. Oh, we already Greatest hot dog in the history of mankind. Costco Thank you very on much. Saturday or Sunday, worst place on earth. I, we I have that. been to Costco uh, four times in the last three weeks on the weekend, and it is by far it brings out the worst in humanity. Well, we know Costco this. Wait, or Walmart on uh, the day after. Wait, people, what? After, what happened to you? People do not watch their kids and let them run everywhere. I was pushing a cart. Why do you hate kids? And oh, he does. A, 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 like a fourteen-year-old was chasing a nine-year-old. They're running around the corner. There's, uh, you know, like the, the concrete floor is slippery. 
they both fell and slid into my cart. No parents around. Well, then they learned their lesson. It's fine. You got grown adults acting like it's an episode of Survivor when you got this poor elderly person who's getting ready to hand out a free chicken nugget to the the, the customers, and people are wrestling to try to get a free chicken nugget. No one was wrestling over a free chicken nugget at Costco. I've seen some things, man. (laughs) Wrestling. It's his nom. Yeah. Trying to get a parking space on a Saturday, people are cutthroat about this that. This is your own damn fault. Nobody feels. The we food already knew court this. is disgusting because people can feed a family of eight on ten dollars, and the tables are awful because people are like ah, it's just Costco, so they don't clean up after themselves. People are hacking up all over the condiment bar. They've got some weird spinning device that shoots out onions. Kids put their that hot dogs amazing, too close. <laughs> to the onion machine and there's No kid mustard. is eating hot dogs with onions on them. Well, my kid did. And so, she's 10. And I made sure that... Yeah, hot dogs with onions. I said no kids are doing Of course that. they are. No, What's wrong with not. you? Yes, they are. Kids don't eat onions. You don't let your kid eat meat, so how would you even know? My kid eats meat. She oh, just chicken nuggets so eight times ki- this week. At the Costco for free? No. Because <laughs> I'm not a... Because you don't make your own, you, you you figure you'll take them to Chick Fil A. What's what's matter? Why why can't nuggets. why why can't you make your own? I don't want to touch raw chicken. It's disgusting. What are you even talking about? So it's better to take better to the take them only to Chick Fil A. We're not going to have a discussion about Chick Fil A. We already know it's the best place on earth. And the worst part was the senior citizens. I'm not here for this. They got that. They got <laughs> a buggy that is. They got the the shopping cart that's as big as this <laughs> dining table, and they can't control it. The wheels are all over the place. And then to think that they're going to leave that cart and then get in a car and drive home. All right. Scares the hell out of me. Would you like to tell them now to get off your lawn? Yes. And by the way, Costco would make a great sponsor for the Eat, Drink, Smoke podcast. I totally agree. I absolutely totally agree. That is Fingers Malloy. Find them, FingersMalloy.com. Facebook, Fingers Malloy Radio. Find April D. Gregory at a Twitter, April D. Gregory. And find me, TonyCats.com. Twitter and Instagram, Tony Katz. Fanimation, Fanimation.com. Be sure you go and get yourself a ceiling fan or two or five and tell them you heard about it on the Eat, Drink, Smoke podcast. Blend Bar Cigar, Indianapolis, Indiana. Appreciate them. BlendBarCigar.com. Uh, I'm going to keep working this Davidoff. Uh, ask me about it. I will tell you uh, about the whole thing. And subscribe at Apple Podcasts. Write a review, five-star review. This is Eat, Drink, Smoke.